The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Happy Monday, everybody. Feels a little manic, doesn't it? It just kind of felt like the right music to kick this off, and especially with who our lead uh, leadoff guest is going to be to help us get through not only every Monday to come, but the rest of our week and try to manage our lives a little bit better so we don't always feel like we're teetering on the edge of a cliff, just barely hanging on, trying to keep up with all of the superhero ideals that we want for ourselves, that we can do it all. We can be the best possible parent. We can get that position as an executive. We can do it all. And then you go home and you just want to veg on the couch and never get off of it again. So we will start there. This is not Jalen Nye, nor Andrew Gross. No, they are off on the 630 Ched listener trip in Jamaica. So uh, I'll be hanging out with you for the week. I'm Kelsey Campbell. Really glad to get to spend some time with you. And I'm particularly excited to talk a little football, which I never thought would come out of my mouth. (laughs) Full disclosure, I watch one football game a year when it comes to the NFL. I watch a lot more when it comes to our Edmonton Eskimos, but I watch the Super Bowl. That's it. Happened to catch both of the championship games yesterday, and what a ride that was. So I'm really glad that just after the 2.30 news, Dave Campbell, who is the color analyst for our Edmonton Eskimos, will hop in and help me understand the overtime rules in the NFL and put someone's head on a chopping block because th- I, w- I, I tweeted out yesterday, I was today years old when I found out how dumb overtime in the NFL is. We'll also talk about, uh, I was driving yesterday, heard the most incredible monologue by Roy Green, my colleague on the Chorus Radio Network, and he was talking about a young man, a homeless man that he walks by almost every day And it was minus 25 with the wind chill. And he called the police and the police said there wasn't anything more they could do. The gentleman refused support and they can't drag him off the street if he chooses to stay there. So we'll be talking with the director of programs at Boyle Street, Aiden Ingalls, about what we can do when we are feeling helpless and want to support those that were seen on the streets during our, those critically cold days. And then where I'm really going to need your help, in 3.30 to 4, we're going to talk about your nightmare travel stories after a United flight was stranded for 18 hours in Newfoundland. I'd really like to know if you can top that. I've got some terrible stories myself, but that's kind of a part of travel. And we're going to throw away the idea that we can't whine and complain because it's a first world problem when you have the right to travel, you can afford to travel. When you save up that hard-earned money and you decide to fly away on an incredible vacation and then some sort of a travel warning comes up or an engine failure occurs and you're sitting on the tarmac for hours and then eventually gets cancelled until the next day, I think we have every right to complain. (laughs) Even though people will tell you it's a first-world problem. Us first-world people have problems too, you know. I'm so thrilled 
to introduce you to Claire Booth now. She's the author of The Achiever Fever Cure, How I Learned to Stop Striving Myself Crazy. She's also the owner, president, CEO of Lux Insights, and Claire, a self-proclaimed burnout survivor. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I uh, tried to kind of paint that picture because I think this is not unique to certain people when you feel like you are just teetering on that edge, trying to remember what it feels like to have your head bob back up above the water when you're overwhelmed at home or in the workplace or both. And I remember my coping mechanism. It was my third year of university where I really experienced burnout and I didn't think I was going to be able to get through another day. That And I, I've always been told if you can get through that third year of post-secondary, you can mm-hmm. make it. But I I, my coping me- mechanism was to nap. <laughs> I had so many deadlines and I didn't know which one to tackle first and I was missing them. And so I would fall asleep because it was my only way. And then I'd wake up and all of those papers were still there. <laughs> and, and then I would nap again because I still wasn't ready to face them. I didn't know where to begin. So can you tell us a little bit about why you decided to write The Achiever Fever and why you call yourself a burnout survivor? Sure, sure. Just on your napping though, That is a common tool that people who are suffering from achiever fever use. It's a a way to distract ourselves from what's actually happening. And we can use napping, we can use food, we can use alcohol, we can use um, work, we can use exercise. But uh, when you are in the thick of achiever fever, like I was for so many years, the coping mechanisms that I used tend to be food and alcohol. And so how do you know that you're experiencing achiever fever? So it's not like this exists in some medical textbook. It's just a name that I gave it. But it was a condition that I was suffering from, even though at the time I had no idea um, that that's what it was. But it's uh, the symptoms of achiever fever, maybe you can relate to some of these, are this constant need that you feel to have to prove yourself, um, habitual worry, uh, being focused on the next thing that comes, so you have an inability to be present. You tend to be very aware of what other people might be thinking or you might be comparing yourself to others. Um, it's a, a, I called it a fever because when we are in a feverish state, it's like we have these weird hallucinatory dreams. And that's what achiever fever is. It's this delusion that the next achievement, the next goal, the next thing I cross off my list, that's what's going to make me happy. Then I'll finally be whole and fulfilled, and we go ahead and achieve that thing. And, you know, the misery doesn't seem to go away. So there when is... I became aware that I was suffering, that's when I knew I had to do something. Claire, I, I was just going to say that there is this rush that comes with people who, as they compliment you, or when people are are saying, wow, like, you're working crazy hours, or I can't mm. believe how many projects you're taking on. This, this, there's this rush and this need to keep fulfilling those expectations or to keep blowing away people's expectations. Yeah, and that's the problem with Achiever Fever is that we keep setting the bar higher and higher for ourselves. Because that that rush, as you say, it's like a a feeling of elation when we achieve something. And even better, when somebody sees us achieving something and says, hey, way to go, congratulations. And then you do that whole thing of, yeah, I'm so busy and I'm so stressed. I only get four hours of sleep. Oh, you get four hours, I only get three hours of sleep. 
And it's this crazy world that we're starting to live in that, of course, gets amplified when you throw social media into the mix as well. And you're trying to show everyone how, how you know, you've, you've got everything all together and you're living this fantastic life when really you're falling apart inside sometimes. And I wrote the book because I'm hoping um, that by sharing some of my experiences and by talking about how I felt and what I did to change the way I felt, we'll start a conversation among not just executives or business owners, but among everyone um, so that we can talk about, we can make ourselves vulnerable and talk about this uh, fear and worry and stress and shame uh, that so many of us feel. One of the things that, just talking with my circle of friends and my family, we live in a time, and you use this this term in your book, which, by the way, its official publishing date is tomorrow. It's coming out Correct. tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you use the term chronic busyness. And, mm. and it's so funny. There's also such a, there's this point of pride in saying, uh, what's going on in your life? Oh, I don't know. I'm just busy. I'm so busy. Mm-hmm. I'm doing all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also in this feeling of needing to be busy and recognizing that everyone else is busy, when you find yourself with that downtime to to sit on the couch, or maybe you spend an entire Sunday on the couch, I know that I get up at the end of the day with this massive guilt complex. Mm-hmm. I should have been doing something social. I should have been out at an event. There's all these great things going on. Why didn't I take on a new project? I should have cleaned the house. And mm-hmm. I, I, instead of just appreciating that for once I had some time to just rest and maybe doze in and out of, of a great little dream on the couch watching Netflix, instead I feel like a failure at the end of the weekend. I wasted a weekend. Sure, and and our body tells us what we need. We just don't know how to listen to it. So when your body's sitting on the couch, it needs to sit on a couch. It needs to take a few minutes and sit still and calm down and relax. But, of course, our minds jump in, and as you said, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. And what I do now is whenever I feel something and the word should is there, that's my cue to know that that's exactly what I shouldn't be doing. Anything that I do because I feel I should uh, is is something that is not going to add purpose and meaning to my life. It's something that I'm just trying to cross off a list. And the need and the importance of just sitting still, even if it's just for 45 seconds, you know, when you're sitting on public transit or what have you, just to bring yourself into the present, because that is where real joy and real peace come from. You cannot experience joy, peace, and happiness if you are not present. And so sitting on the couch for a couple hours on Sunday is going to do much more to make you feel joyful and present than cleaning your kitchen is going to. It's going to give you that, you know, 30 seconds of like, yes, I did it. I can cross it off my list. But then guess what? All those, you know, negative feelings come back immediately after. What you are saying right now truly contradicts everything that's kind of pumped our way. And mm-hmm. and, and I, I totally agree with the idea of being more present. And I'm the first one to call people out when we're at a social outing and you look around and everyone's on their cell phones. And I say, you know, let, let's take this and let's enjoy the social time. However, when you're saying downtime's okay... All I keep thinking is, but somebody else is doing more. They're the ones that are going to get the promotion. They're the ones that are going to have a better, a stronger legacy because they spend more time volunteering in the community than I do. Mm-hmm. It's um, when we start to live our lives being concerned about what other people think and when we compare ourselves with others, we put ourselves into a state of deep unhappiness and unfulfillment. 
and so prevalent in our society we don't even in it and the uh, recognizing that we are deeply in it and understanding what that does as a result to our um to the emotions that we experience and the feeling experience you can only change something when you become aware of it so you looking up at your social engagement or your concert or whatever you were at and noticing that everyone's on their phone just that brief little insight of like whoa everyone's on their phone maybe i won't be that's the beginning of the change you've got to become aware of something before you can change it claire booth is uh, joining us right now just trying to make us all in i think prouder of the work we're doing and to also know what it's like just be satisfied with what you've already got she is the author of the achiever fever cure how i learned to stop striving myself crazy and her book comes out officially tomorrow we'll be back in just a few minutes and we're going to talk about what work-life balance actually means and some of the stats that she has are staggering the things that we are proud of is not the three-week vacation you took and how memorable that was with your friends or family. It's the fact that you gave up that three-week vacation to prove that you are busy or that you're staying on top of things at work. Maybe we've got a couple things backwards. ourselves trying to be perfect and it's making us insane in this day and age it's impossible to be a good mom screw it let's be bad moms oh i'm in right oh my gosh okay this is exciting i'm in yes to bad Bad moms moms. that was a clip from the movie bad moms and uh on the line with me right now is claire booth she is the author of the achiever fever Cure, how I learned to stop striving myself crazy. Claire, there there was something about that clip that just jumped right out at me when I watched that movie. Oh, I agree. I haven't seen that movie. That's the first time I've heard that clip, but I found myself smiling so broadly just listening to it. Listening to it. And it's that embracing of like, let's be dad moms. Because when we do just let that desire and, and quest for perfection Oh, when we let it go, our kill selves come up. Our present and joyful and connected both to ourselves and to others. When we just get rid of this. Claire, I'm just going to throw you on hold. Devin's going to pop on and, and make sure that uh, your phone line's okay there because I really want to hear what you have to say. I'm, I'm Kelsey Campbell in for Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross, and I'm speaking with Claire Booth, who's the author of The Achiever Fever Cure, How I Learned to Stop Striving Myself Crazy. She's the owner, founder, CEO, president of Lux Insights, and a self-proclaimed burnout survivor. And I just thought that this conversation is probably one that we could have every single day for the rest of our lives in just managing our expectations of ourselves better. Claire, one of the things that I said I really wanted to talk to you about was work-life balance. And you provided some stats that just, these are not conversations that are not happening in offices. I've, I've spoken with colleagues who are so proud that they have never taken a sick day. They've never fully taken the full amount of their vacation days. And I keep saying, not only do you make the rest of us look bad who are taking a real sick day, but you're not doing yourself any favors by not taking, if you are guaranteed to have three weeks vacation, why are you not taking every last day? I agree. And 
And, and I, run, I run a company, and everyone has a minimum of three weeks vacation, and they are told they need to take the vacation, and we monitor that. Because I know if you don't take vacation or if you don't take the sick days that you need, you're not going to be able to do your best work. And it just blows me away. I mean, in the U.S., the stat is even higher. People not taking their holidays because they feel that everyone's watching them, which is not the case. The only person judging you is you. And so you put all this additional pressure on yourself. Everyone's busy living their own lives. If you get two or three weeks or four weeks or however many you get at work, take them. That is the one message I've had for everyone is I, I am, I, I, I think you and I are probably both in an industry where we don't really have the luxury of just turning off nights, weekends. This is kind of the news cycle never ends for me. So I'm connected. But when I take a vacation, I very intentionally say, even if I'm camping inside the city, I say that I don't have cell service. I'm away for mm. three weeks. That is my only shut off time. So I take that vac- that vacation time is sacred. Good for you. And those are, that's precious time. Keep that close and and recognize it as precious time the other thing that i do is i do not check my phone after nine o'clock and i have an alarm clock now so that i'm not checking my phone at night as i'm going to bed i used to do that now i've got my phone out of my bedroom it makes a huge difference and it's just you know even if it's just 20 minutes or 30 minutes that you can get back that is time that you have with yourself with your friends with your family or you're not plugged in. We're told, like, you got to stay plugged in. you got to stay connected. But staying connected to that disconnects you from your family and from your friends, and certainly and most importantly, from yourself. Claire, I'm just wondering, you say that no one's judging us, everyone's concerned about their own things, but the truth is we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people, whether we're achieving as much as they are. I get to talk to all of these incredibly talented, successful guests every day, and I just keep thinking, what what am I doing with my life that I don't have all of these accolades and awards and titles behind my name? So for you... When, what was your big kind of warning sign, that breaking point that something had to change, that you couldn't keep going? Right. So I was five years into running my business, and all signs pointed to success. I was building my, my, my employees up. I had, you know, at that point, probably eight or nine employees. Sales were up. We, have, we were profitable. All signs pointed to success. But I was so miserable. I couldn't sleep. I had constant anxiety. Um, I was so convinced that I needed to try harder and be better, and I had to keep growing this business and growing it and growing it. And um, the thing that woke me up was at what we do at my and my company is we have um, 360 reviews. So everyone gets reviewed by all the other employees in the company. And I remember reading to my review, and they're all anonymous, and there was one comment that jumped out. And one of my employees said, I know what kind of day it's going to be as soon as Claire walks in the door. And that was my gut punch. That was my aha moment that all of the stress and anxiety that I was trying to hide, I wasn't doing a very good job of. She could see through it. She could see that negative energy that I brought into the office. And that was my wake-up moment where I knew that if I didn't make some changes, I was a liability to my own company. And that's where the whole transformation process started that is now detailed in the book. Claire, thank you so much for bringing this topic to our attention, for reminding us that some downtime uh, is okay and uh, that there is such thing as you can want and you can you can still strive to have things. But I really like that you're telling us that trying to be a high achiever isn't always the best thing. 
You know, one of my favorite lines that I keep using to remind myself anytime I feel that achiever fever coming back is happiness is wanting what you have. I love it. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. That's Claire Booth. Her book comes out tomorrow, The Achiever Fever Cure, How I Learned to Stop Striving Myself Crazy. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.